My name is Gladiator. How dare you show your back to me? Slave! You will remove your helmet and tell me your name. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the North, general of the Felix Legions, loyal servant to the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. Joey, you like movies about gladiators? Welcome to another edition of the History Through Film podcast. Uh, my name is Curtis Allen. I am your host, and uh, I'm a high school teacher here in Spring Hill, Kansas, and I teach a History Through Film class. So if you haven't caught one of our episodes before, this is basically where we pick a film and we just talk a little bit about the history of it and, of course, the film itself and maybe the impact it had on us as viewers. And if you have listened before, well, you can tell that we're kind of flipping and flopping around to different genres and time frames and time periods. I last did the 1950s with Godzilla and Invasion of the Body Statures, and now we're going to tackle 2000's Gladiator. Now, I am no expert on this film, so I brought in a couple of people that are big fans of it. In fact, they came to me and said, let's do Gladiator. We've got returning Will Meyer, our science guy. Right, my, my absolutely. Yeah, it's great, great to be here again. I didn't get fired the first time. Yeah, Thank exactly. You. Yeah, you are welcome back. And then we also bringing in Brad Ranking from the art department. Brad, how you doing today? Awesome. Glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. All right. So, well, as you guys have known, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, or those of you that are part of our audience, thank you very much for that. Um, we just kind of tackle a film and look at the history, like I just said. So we may we may kind of be all over the place, but uh, we don't necessarily break down the whole film. We just kind of talk about what stands out with the story of Gladiator. Of course, 2000's Gladiator with Russell Crowe, and um, it was a Best Picture winner as well. So, Will, where did you first come uh, to see this film, or why Gladiator? Uh, I was in high school. Uh, I mean, that's just a an awesome time, you know, where you're just buying to the violence. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. <laughs> uh, buying to the violence, you know, just being a young male and just lost in kind of fantasy. And I was a big history buff then, uh, much like I am now. So there's just to kind of line that up, actually, is as cheesy as it sounds with the, the stuff you were learning um, in school and reading about. And then we'd always watch it before soccer games. You know, the, the opening scene, uh, for example, just gets you pumped up, you know. And that, that's how I became really in love with this film. Brad, what about you? What uh... You know, I don't remember exactly when I got gravitated towards Gladiator. I'm thinking it's probably one of those that when it comes around to the Academy Awards, I'm like looking this list of what they are, and I'm like, oh, I haven't seen that, or I had seen it. But it uh, definitely has been my favorite, one of my favorite movies of all time, and uh, I just love about everything about it. Yeah, you know, I was telling Will earlier when I ran into him before this podcast, I had seen Gladiator in the theater probably in the year 2000, and then I'd watched it, you know, here and there. I have not watched it in a long time, and to re-watch it for this podcast, 
I told Will I've forgotten how freaking awesome of a movie this is. Uh, it's not an original story because you see these types of stories in all kinds of either sand and sandals, what you know, what they call like those epics like mm-hmm. Ben Hur or Spartacus, but it's just really well executed. Uh, Ridley Scott, the director, of course, I'm a big fan of his, and most people are if you like Alien, Alien, yeah. and Blade Runner, Blade, and. Uh-huh. Um, this almost seems to be like in his prime too. Yeah, yes. he's got the experience, the perspective, and like you said, his prime. That's a that's a great point, Brad. Because a lot of people nowadays kind of bring up, well, which Ridley Scott are you going to get? Because yeah. you either get the Martian Ridley Scott, which is a good movie, or you get some of his not so like Prometheus, which kind of divides people in the alien yeah. world. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a lot of his films have been sci-fi based, you know. Yeah. So, and I wouldn't call it something. Yeah, it's more historical not. biopic. Yeah, you know? and he's got that new one out too, All the Money in the World, All which the is money, the true yeah. story about the, uh, uh, you know, the kidnapping of the hearse mm-hmm. or the uh, not the hearse. What am I talking about? The, um, well, the kidnapping uh, that happened back in the seventies. That's supposed to be a good movie too. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is definitely uh, Ridley Scott in his prime. And this is, you know, not Russell Crowe's first film because there was A Beautiful Mind and all that. But uh, awesome this movie, too. Yeah, this this really put him on the map, Absolutely. I would say. This is pre-hotel yeah. um, phone incident where he kind of went off the deep end <laughs> in his personal life. Um, but he was definitely one of the top-notch actors. Absolutely. Um, this is Russell Crowe in shape, too. Yeah. yeah, I mean, absolutely. he's like, you know. <laughs> absolutely. And if he wasn't already a household name, this is the movie, I think, that really put him in as a household name that everybody now knows who he was or is. Yeah. Absolutely. And again, I don't know if you want to, as we get into this, I'm sure we will, but, I mean, this is Walking Phoenix, too, in one of his projects. Oh, yeah. yeah. This and Walk the Line, yeah, you know, and, like, before he went all personal crazy, too, you know, like, oh, my gosh, like, who didn't hate Commodus in this role, you know, and just polarizing and just, like, yeah, like you said a little bit earlier, we'll get into it. I was glad he was dead, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so. yeah. Um, he was, uh, and if I'm not mistaken, um, it was Best Actor. Yes, it was Best Actor for Russell Crowe, and uh, Will Came Phoenix was nominated, but he didn't win. For supporting? Yeah, he was for supporting. And what's interesting, too, is this was, if I'm not mistaken, I know I keep saying that, but I believe this was the first movie that, uh, for a long period of time, that had the best picture but not best director, director. win yeah it, i think it dates back all yeah. the way to like the 1940s the anomaly yeah. it's happened a couple of times since this movie but it's uh really kind of a an argument that people always have wait a minute you're going to give a movie best picture but you're not going to give the director mm-hmm. i think that's the academy ways of saying we've got two great movies just give somebody the director yeah. and give somebody the best True. picture so um but what uh one thing that stands out to me obviously as a history teacher is the setting of the Roman Empire that this film obviously takes place in. Uh, Brad, you've been to Rome and you've been to the Colosseum because one thing we were talking about before the uh, we started recording was how well the special effects hold up in this film, being about 17 years old, 18 almost now, uh, and the uh, the flyover of the Colosseum is one of the shots yeah. that this movie is known for. Uh, and because obviously they used a lot of what do you want to call like green screen uh, when they f- filmed this movie. And sometimes the actors were standing around in areas that didn't quite look like the Coliseum, but it was digitally re-enhanced and created. I think it looks great. 
but you've been there. Yeah, it, I mean, it looks awesome in the movie. It seems almost a little crowded. I mean, if you've been to the Coliseum, there's a lot of space around the Coliseum. I know the Forum was a little bit further, what I feel is, to the north of that. But um, it just, the movie almost seemed a little bit crowded with people walking, and even that flyover with all the col- or the Forum before that. But... Just to what it is now, I mean, the, the Coliseum is nothing like it was then. I, it's just incredible what they did with it. And it, from what I understand, they built just a little maquette of it, and then they had to actually expand the upper levels of it because they didn't quite make it quite as big as what it is in the you know, the real thing. They yeah. had only like two stories when it's maybe three or four. But just to go there, too, and to walk around is really... I'd seen the movie and then been there and then come back and I've you know watched the movie several times but just being there was just in awe and looking around and I could almost feel the voices or hear the voices and see the people chanting and see them sitting in the crowd and then of course there's no floor now it's just all barren there and but you can see the chambers underneath and you can get an idea of just thinking about all those animals underneath the floor of this Coliseum, yeah. just uh-huh. waiting to be thrown out there, or however they were going to enter into the Coliseum. But it just, you know, I've been to um, Little Bighorn too, and somebody mentioned that all those people that died there, there was just kind of a a different feeling there. And I also got this at the Coliseum, just a different feeling of what had happened there. Mm-hmm. You know, probably a lot of deaths, not just people, but animals. Right, animals too. Yeah, I think it's probably more animals than anything. The more I read about the truth, there yep. wasn't that many that died in there. That's people, that's what we were people yeah. wise, yeah. and that's what we were talking about. Also, is that obviously the gladiator film is going to glorify the uh, the the competition between warriors and gladiators, but. Uh, in uh, doing some of our research, which, you know, obviously you can find some articles on Gladiator, what's real, what's not, what's fiction. They were talking that more animals were probably slaughtered in the Coliseum than anything else. That really wouldn't go over well in a movie. No. <laughs> no. Two yeah. hours of that's, something. That's something you always hear is like, yeah, people will, you know, watch murder human on human in, in movies, but you will see somebody kill a dog and they're like, Don't I'm kill the that dog. movie yeah. off. I'm turning that movie off. <laughs> I even read in there where Commodus, he, he was kind of famous for a lot, killing a lot of different animals, and one of them was a giraffe. I'm thinking, so you're going to be <laughs> slashing this thing in the ankles yeah, and the knees like, to try oh, to get it? God. And yeah, in a movie, they would have caught all kinds of... <laughs> well, and I yeah, and I also heard that that was part of the... Part of it was displaying these exotic animals too if i'm not mistaken yeah, the idea is that they would go and get these other animals from across wherever you know their travels were and to show them off and like a, a old zoo back then. yeah I yeah mean, that's what people yeah. couldn't travel to go see them so hey you get to see what this is like and and yeah like, and most people that have seen this film or been to the coliseum or watch like a history channel show on the coliseum know about the co- or the the chambers that you were talking about and i just remember seeing this movie like 17 years ago, not really realizing that they had built the chambers underneath. And it was almost just like trap doors. And yeah, that's yeah. it really was the spectacle. You forget mm-hmm. about that. So and when they built it, which was what, 80 AD, you know, yes. to think about they had yeah. that foresight and then the ability. I mean, that's just a modern marvel, right, of how they were able to do that back then. Yeah. yeah. And that was another thing being there that I, w- I kept looking at was how they mortared every little stone in there. There's tons and tons and tons of stone. And it's not like you just lay bricks with mortar. It was like little thin pieces of rock mm-hmm. that are just, you know, mortar in between them and build up. And uh, 
you know, a lot of that Colosseum's gone now because yeah. of they recycled actually. A lot of that stuff was recycled and put somewhere else. Really? But yeah. Hmm. And erosion and things like that. Now, currently, they are kind of renovating parts of it. So it's kind of neat to see the little areas that are up to date. And then they hopefully they leave a lot of it like it is now, too. Yeah, that's um, I just imagine how big it is. I I caught in the film, actually, where they talk about like 15,000 people are going to watch the games Mm -hmm. when they talk about the. 150 days of games, I think. That yeah, that's yeah. Commodus, to honor his father. Yeah, yes, to honor his father, uh, Marcus Aurelius. Yes. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about the actual film. Um, you know, it's a typical story where you've got the Roman general Maximus. Decimus uh, Meridius. Uh, yes. Is that how you his full yeah. name? Yeah, he's yeah, only said yeah. one time in only, the film. One, one time yeah. in the and film. And I do remember that. It's, it's like intimidating. And like, he says know, that, fantastic says that to Commodus. Exactly. Yes. Right? Uh-huh. Um, so you know, obviously the the film kind of starts in what's known as Germania, and uh, you, you know one thing that I also read about is that the the the, the Germans quote unquote in this open opening battle scene, you know on my mark unleash hell, um, they were probably dressed a little more barbaric than yeah, what than they what, what, what it actually was. what history probably says they were, but. Yeah. Uh, the I guess the point of this is is Rome again dis- expanding and defending its its homeland. Um, you've got Mark uh, Maximus who proves his not only uh, his leadership as a general but his loyalty to uh, Marcus Aurelius, um, who's the know, emperor, who's the emperor at the time, yeah. and uh, played by awesome uh, Richard Harris. Okay, he so and Richard Harris and uh, and Oliver Reed, who I mentioned, uh, Proximo is who he plays. Uh, we'll talk about him later on, but uh, those were those were throwbacks to kind of the bad boys of Hollywood. So, mm. just from my own knowledge and my own doing a little bit of research, those were the guys that. Well, let's just put it this way: you, if you want to Google Oliver Reed during some interviews, mm-hmm. he's probably on stage drunk as he's being interviewed <laughs> by somebody, being yeah. obnoxious. Yeah. And uh, you know, Richard Harris was one of those guys as well, uh, kind of uh, being the um, oh, I don't know, the bad boy, the obnoxious. Sure. He's kind Always of like safe. the Brat Pack from like the the fifties and whatnot. Uh, so then, of course, you've got uh, the the uh, you've got the the battle where they are successful. And then Marcus says that, well, he's dying, essentially, and mm-hmm. he wants to They're not... calling, yeah, so he's calling Commodus and Commodus' sister, his kids, to tell them something, you know, and they're assuming that that is, yes. hey, he's going to name Commodus the new emperor of Rome. You know, that's the thought, at least, yes. especially in Commodus's head, you know, and his ambition right. and his arrogance <laughs> and everything else he has. Um, and after the battle, which... Um, Marcus, uh, sorry, uh, Maximus definitely sh- proves his valor, proves yeah. his everything about it. The emperor turns to um, was just those two and says, "Hey, I can't appoint Commodus, and you know that he's not going to do what Rome needs he's to unstable, be as a republic. Yeah, yeah he's going to yeah. be unstable. He's going to be a dictator. He's not going to leave it for the people." A lot of flashing back in that battle scene too, where Marcus Aurelius is back there just watching, mm-hmm. yeah. and he's watching Maximus just tearing up people. And he, he rides in on like, the horse himself, like leading the battle. Yeah. 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 And he's like, winning him over uh-huh. by 
winning this battle. Just the morale speeches too. Like I talked about, like I watched it before soccer and as a coach now, and you know, like, oh my gosh, what he says to his people to get them rallied up, yep. you know, and then leading the charge. We talk all the time about, yeah, it's easy for somebody to be a leader and then stand at the back and watch everybody else do the work. Yes. Now he's charging in on his horse with his dog yeah. in the front, you know, and that's amazing. Well, and we might as well just mention it now, the, the soundtrack by Hans Zimmer. since then has been doing so many cool, great, huge kind of, well, he does a lot of, he's, he did like the Dark Knight series for one thing after this, mm-hmm. uh, but Hans Zimmer does that, uh, uh, that, that soundtrack, especially when they're in the Coliseum and they're all, f- the gladiators later in the film are fighting together against the, the warriors on the chariots. Yes. You get the most uh, kind of stereotypical song from this, which the NFL has used. You, you've even heard interviews with some NFL players. I think it was one of the Chiefs running back. I don't know if it was uh, 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 Jamal Charles or it could have been somebody even before him. Maybe, maybe even been Larry Johnson or something. Yeah. They basically mentioned that you know in the, in the uh, locker room they would sit around and listen to that theme. From the oh, Gladiator. Man, yeah, I was hoping you'd bring that up because the soundtrack to me was just unbelievable. Yeah. That? The whole it, time just it is. pumps you up. And mm-hmm. it did win Best Sound Mixing that year, too. Yep. Is for an Academy it Award. It did. But. Best Sound Mixing. And, and that, again, not to shy away from too much from the film, but we, didn't, we don't need to go over all, all of it in detail, but the set design, just oh. the fact that aside from the special effects, we talked about them recreating... Uh, the Coliseum, what I was looking at while watching this film again was just the set design in general just really takes you back into that time period. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, no matter how much is true or not true, and again, we've all been doing our little readings on what exactly is fiction and what's Hollywood and what's fact, but uh, just the fact that it puts you back, you feel like you're there. Mm -hmm. Um, It's pretty Mm -hmm. authentic. I think think that's one of the things I liked about it the most. Yeah. If I exactly. could go back in time, I would like to go back then. And that would be. Honestly. Well, you know, there's, and <laughs> there's a scene. For a week or two. Or you know, or what's funny is that there's a scene with the two senators, uh, you know, the main senators that are kind of debating on, you know, yeah. what should be done. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is right before the games, one of the games start or the competitions in, in the Coliseum, you see one kind of sitting at a table outside and he's got his bread and he's got his olives and he's got his wine with his little bottle of olive oil. And then his other, the other senator walks up and they just they, they kind of talk a little bit about um, what is happening with Commodus and, and how the people are probably going to turn on him and maybe not accept him. And what I found funny about that is, is it's almost like they're at an outside diner. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like here they are back in the days of, of Roman times and... Um, the idea that uh, they're just kind of hanging out at a uh, uh, cafe outside or bistro, As, yeah. outside bistro that <laughs> truly was yeah. an outside bistro. Uh-huh. So kind of set that whole um, uh, that whole scene. Um, it reminded me of that. But anyways, one thing that's important to bring up about uh, uh, Marcus not giving Commodus the uh, I keep wanting to say the Commodores. He doesn't <laughs> want to give the Commodores uh, the keys to Rome, <laughs> but Commodus. Uh, 
is because he wants he wants Maximus to give power back to the people, people. and that's yeah. kind of obviously mm-hmm. a, a the theme republic. Through, the, yeah, yeah, the republic, a theme mm-hmm. that's common in history, especially in American history. But yeah. uh, the idea that he does want to give it back to the people, and Commodus, of course, doesn't. He, you know, you almost at first feel for him when he's like, "I just want to be loved by you." Yeah, because that's his dad, and he throws it on him dead. Yeah. You know, and he apologizes like, "I was probably at war too much. I didn't yes. know how to raise you. I wasn't there." So Commodus is playing into that and like, yeah, dad, you don't understand. I just want to love you. I just want the ambition of being you, your son. And and then he starts to smother him. <laughs> Commodus <laughs> starts to smother his frail, yeah. ailing, dying dad. And then you're like, well, this guy's a jackass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what you finally realize. For him anymore. Yeah, maybe uh, there's some kind of daddy issue there, some yeah. kind of complex or something. And it's um, I love how they cut away and do this, uh, the buff, the, sh- uh, the statue of the emperor. You know, as he's dying. Oh, yes. That's a really cool yes. artistic yeah. um, feature they do. We um, haven't really s- talked about Commodus much. Mm-hmm. I mean, Commodus was really a jerk. In the movie and in real life? Well, I don't know so much in real life, but in the movie they really depicted him that way. Yeah. And, in, in, uh, and of course, Joaquin Phoenix did an awesome job of making him look like that as mm-hmm. well. And even with his sister, he had troubles with his sister, and she supposedly set out to have him murdered or mm-hmm. killed. I don't think the movie really went into that. It just talked a little about how she agreed with, um, you know, uh, Marcus, oh, sorry, uh, Maximus, um, and they kind of conspired to right. break him out to get his troops so they could overthrow Commodus because she was in fear of him Yeah, and her for her son. So I don't know if you guys read this. You probably did, but he ended up having her killed, basically, by because he found out about yeah. Her theory or her plan to have him executed, so mm-hmm. he sends her off somewhere and has her executed. Which plans to, right? Yeah, plans to. I think in the end, doesn't she end up coming out and helping uh, Maximus? And well, in the Maximus movie, I'm talking in real life. Oh, in real life. Yeah, absolutely. He ends up sending yeah, her and off. That's and one thing the, the uh, research showed is as well as Walking Phoenix played Commodus, they said in real life, by all accounts, Commerce was even more crazy than he was in the film. He was more yeah. bizarre yeah. than he was in the film. Yeah. Um, kind of a, almost a uh, Trump-like person. All right. Yeah, know. a lot of people <laughs> not liking him and some people maybe liking yeah, him. Yeah, very polarizing, I think we call that. Yeah, yeah there, there, there's things where they said that he actually declares himself the new founder of Rome. Yeah. Uh, there was a question about real, did he actually kill his father, and some sources suspect that he did. The official um, listing was black plague for the death of the emperor but yeah, there are a lot yeah. of people who said no he was just power hungry and very well could have killed him and then there were so many attempts on assassinations for his life yeah. that he was able to thwart or sniff out you know kind of like the movie showed with mm-hmm. his sister but eventually the funny thing i read was it was a a, a wrestler a greek wrestler yes who actually, actually was, killed him yeah during a, ba- a bath or something yeah yeah must okay have on him and <laughs> yeah Whatever, uh, but it showed that he was a ruthless, you know, hated person, um, even in real life, and that movie that comes out. In the movie. I, yeah, very arrogant this way. I, he came sure. across, Power and he was actually a gladiator. Apparently, yeah, yeah. It says that he fought in the. Uh, he actually fought in the Colosseum. Which um, some of those you wonder how staged they were, because I mean they're not going to kill Commodus in he's front of everybody, that, yeah. right? Leader. Well, and what you were talking about him supposedly slaying a, a giraffe and how he killed five hippopotamus. Hipop- Hippopotamus. 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 <laughs> Hippopotamuses Hippopotamus. <laughs> at one time That's killed kind of two elephants. That's impressive, though. A hippopotamus can be pretty mean. Well, they can. Mean, 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 mean aggressive. Mean. Oh, yeah. they, they can. 
if they're in water, I think they're a little bit more dangerous. Yeah. But <laughs> I maybe he had them chained up. But you know, that's an interesting <laughs> thing, though. They actually used to. Did you hear about how they used to actually flood the Colosseum? Yeah. And they would uh, reenact. How, they I, would reenact ship battles. Oh man! So they would get like wooden miniature, uh, you know, models of the ships that were obviously out at seas, and they they would actually do ship battles. So they they would be able to flood the Colosseum, have it hold water in order to do that. Yeah, and that, that, that's. Amazing, because all everything underneath had to be seeping through. I don't, yeah, you know they don't have the things we have today to seal things up. But absolutely, yeah. But that was the movie. That was one thing while watching the movie. I remember like, okay, that actually is true. They did talk about how they used to restage battles. You know, ancient battles um, inside of the, mm-hmm. the Colosseum for gladiators mm-hmm. for the crowd to relive history. You know, I would love to see that. Now, this day and age, I wouldn't want to see necessarily all that that death, but just the recreation. Instead of learning in textbooks or watching on movie, you get to see it in real life. Yeah. You know? A lot of that, you're saying nowadays, I, I keep thinking like NFL games, like yeah. our coliseums, our, our stadiums. Absolutely. And Hell, just the crowd LA around Coliseum's there. even called that, right? Yeah. And remember a few years ago when... Uh, who was it that got hurt? Matt Castle gets hurt, and the Chiefs crowd is like oh, cheering because yeah. oh, he yeah. got hurt. Yeah. I'm thinking this is Gladiator all the way. That is barbaric. The that people is. you know are cheering when someone's getting hurt in the Coliseum, and here we are cheering for Matt it's, Castle. It's really hurt. no different, you yeah, know. It's a they great are, analogy there. Brent. One of my one of my professors. I'll tell a quick story. One of my professors I had at UMKC when I was taking a history class. Uh, the first day of class, he started talking about. I want you to envision like 300 years from now. When possibly, you know, the human race is wiped out by some kind of plague or some kind of war or something. And he was kind of setting up this scenario. And he said, imagine if people came to our city of Kansas City and they started going through all of our uh, the remains and they were looking at buildings that have rotted away. And they started looking and they come to this one area that looks like a huge kind of stadium. And, and they mm-hmm. start digging away and all of a sudden they find uh, this same logo that is spattered throughout this uh, <laughs> this um, uh, stadium, yeah. and he starts drawing a picture on on the board, and and he's telling the story, and eventually he starts drawing like the arrowhead with the KC inside of it, and he's like, scholars are wondering what did this KC mean, but it must have meant something yeah. that meant a lot to this huh. society and yeah. civilization. Obviously, he told the story a lot better than I just did. If you <laughs> happen to be on the edge of your seat right now, thank great, you. Great radio here. But, uh, <laughs> but the, I mean, I, I just sat there going, oh, my God, that's such a cool way of looking at it. And really, it was mm-hmm. an ancient civilization class is what I was taking. But he was just, you know, putting us in the modern time back in the day where, you know, some things that we could leave behind tell a lot about society. Mm-hmm. It's no wonder that we today in 2018 are sitting around in stadiums cheering on gladiators, if you want to call them that. Mm-hmm. But football really is, I think, the closest to yeah. you know, yeah. the, the gladiator situation or, or scenario. Yeah. So really not much different. Uh, back to the film, I just looking here at the notes. And um, so once a communist has his, you know, kills his dad... He actually does go to uh, Maximus and say, you know, hey, I'm, I'm going to need you. You're a great general. You know, you did a lot for my dad. Obviously, Maximus doesn't know anything about his father, but he starts to pick up really quick being the, the apt person he is. And he turns him down and says, no, I can't have anything to do with you. So, of course, being communist who he is, has him tried to, uh, orders to be assassinated, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's, think- a, that's a really cool scene. Um, Maximus is putting it together. He's figured yeah, out that hey, he just killed his dad, and yeah. no, I can't work for you. And yeah, so yeah, that's the loyalty, and that's when uh, uh, 
what's her name? Uh, Lucilia. Lucilia, the, the sister. Yeah, Thomas the sister. sister. When oh. she walks up to him and she smacks him twice, and then you know she takes his hand and kisses it. Yeah. And of course she's trying to protect her son, but that's kind of a powerful scene too. And man, what a creep he was! That <laughs> incestuous, like yeah. You, you know, you're you gonna stay with me tonight, really. and she's just like, and the, you know. From an audience perspective, you're like, this poor girl just wants to say yes to him just so she won't get killed or have her son killed. But she obviously walks out on him numerous times when he's trying to coax her. Trying to seduce, I guess. Seduce her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, it it parallels a lot of Game of Thrones. I mean, I don't know how much you guys get Game of Thrones, you know, time period, but how that incestual act went on and the people with the power made the rules. And if you didn't like it, you came to war or you didn't do anything about it. You died. Um, and again, that's just a totally different lifestyle than we live, you know? So it's like, what? Like, it's so polarizing, gravitating. Cause you're like, what? That, that didn't go on. And yeah. like, that's absolutely how it was. Yeah. Um, but then back to the, the film, right? Maximus is able to overcome, um, the party that was sent to assassinate him by Commodus. And he realizes, shoot, my wife and my kids are in trouble. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. So he rides that horse. How far? I mean, who knows? He's in yeah. Northern you hear that um, horse kind of huffing Europe, and puffing. Right? You're yeah. wondering if the horse is going to die. Doesn't the horse die? Or? Yeah, d- dies almost as he gets through the That's what I thought. I was like, he dies. Just... He runs up and he sees his wife hanging. Yeah. yeah. And his place, his plantation burning, you know, and his kid dead. And he just uses every ounce of energy he has to he... grieve and bury them. And it, he passes out. Yeah, he right? passes out, found by the, the slave traders. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's obviously, uh, he's taken... To North what was in North Africa, he's yeah. got the wound in his shoulder. Infected. Don't don't move the maggots else. because they'll just clean it out. Ugh, that's, that's biology. Disgusting. That's that's yeah, pretty that true. That is biology. Actually. So yeah. they're going to feed off that bacteria. Yeah. But again, the history of and the the geography. Okay, the it reached the Roman Empire reached the southern as far yeah. as northern yeah. Africa. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. crazy. Just it talks about that in the intro. You know, and just the sheer number of people that reigned. Under yeah. Julius Caesar oh, yeah. and beyond, yeah. um, and just uh, the geography, how Most they got from there to there. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. And this is where we meet uh, uh, Proximo. Proximo. I keep wanting to say Pleximo, like Pleximo Burris. This is where we meet <laughs> Pleximo Burris. Himself in the lake. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or Plexico Burris. Sorry, we meet. Uh, um, Proximo. Proximo. Oh my gosh! But These Oliver are Reed. Hard, man, they're hard. But Oliver Reed and. Uh, this is obviously Oliver Reed uh, Proximo. He's going to be the mentor of uh, Maximus. I mean, if you're going to follow like the typical formula of movies, which most do, this is going to be the guy that's going to train the Obi-Wan Maximus, the, the Obi-Wan Kenobi kind of, yeah. uh, because they do have that moment later on where, of course, Maximus refuses to fight. And they've got that big guy. Uh, I forget his name as the character. He but, was a German. Uh, yeah, he was a German. Yeah, fighter, he was like a German bodybuilder. Body, and yeah. what, But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're going to obviously befriend each other later on. But, uh, you know, he's like, give him time. And then they do have that scene where this is where, you know, kind of Oliver Reed has his moment in the film where he's telling him if you can win over the crowd, you know, you can be uh, magical and uh, you can earn your freedom, and then that's when he finds out that Proximo was a gladiator, um, a gladiator who worked his way up the, that just that how and ended up getting um, pardoned, I guess, or freed by the emperor. Oh, you should see the Colosseum, Spaniard. Fifty thousand Romans watching every movement of your sword. 
willing you to make that killer blow. The silence before you strike, and the noise afterwards, it rises, rises up like, 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 like a storm, as if you were the thunder god himself. You were a gladiator. Yes, I was. And then uh, Maximus kind of, you know, laughs and says, you know, hey, you knew Marcus Aurelius, you know, oh, and yeah. that's where Proximo kind of chests up, you know, brave peacock, you know, and yes. he says, of course I did. You can see that prideful moment and where he's come today. Um, but, you know, he's not, I mean, he's still ruthless, you know, a lot of times, you know, he's buying slaves. He didn't care if they die. He goes, tell them, hey, this is your job. Your job's to make me money. Your job's to get me out of these flea pits, you know, to get me back to the Coliseum. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, again, a struggle that, as everybody has in their life, whether it's, you know, as a gladiator or owner of slaves or as a whatever, and it just shows that side of uh, what they had to do to survive. Absolutely. And the one of the interesting things about um, uh, Proximo is – he obviously sees something in Maximus that is more than just the usual, you know, barbarian with barbarian. no charisma, yeah. no ability to. He sees him as a leader yeah. too. So, and, you know, and obviously at the end of the film, not again, we're jumping around, but at the end of the film where uh, Proximo comes and gives him the keys, and he's basically like, "I think you've earned your freedom," um, and that's after. Commodus has found out what has happened, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with his... The plan um, to yeah. assassinate him or get him out of power or whatever. And that's, you know, to me, I keep thinking of the movie Spartacus. I don't know if you guys have seen mm-hmm. Spartacus yeah. before with Kirk Douglas. A little out of my warehouse, but I know Yeah, but it could, because this film is so similar to Spartacus, but it, it hits the same beats. It's just a very, very good updated version of almost the Spartacus story. Uh, where you know he's going to earn his freedom as well. It happens just like this in um, in Gladiator, uh, and then we move on. But then we get into the games. Uh, we get into mm-hmm. the arena, mm-hmm. and uh, that first. Uh, I love that first scene where they. I don't know if I'm overstepping something that you guys maybe want to talk about, but when they're waiting to get out of those gates. And they don't know what's going to be facing them as soon as the gates open into the Coliseum. They but just the see guy, the shadows. well, and the one guy that's sitting there pissing himself, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. and he gets bashed upside the and, head and by a see, ball and chain. Or yeah. The funny thing is, you see Maximus Russell Crowe. He yeah, looks, they, he looks down, and he kind of takes a step back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it does provide some Let's humor. Get this one out of the way. <laughs> He's not worried about. Really, what's out there? He's worried about stepping in. Yeah, because he's been through battle, right? Yeah, Those he has. guys yeah. haven't been through battle. He has. I like how he, he picks out his mask to put on, too, and he puts it on. And and that, probably the biggest thing is when afterwards, and he comes out and he finds out who Maximus oh, is. Oh, that's such a fantastic yes. Yeah, that's probably one of my favorite parts of the movie. You see, yep. the, you when see, Commodus the comes out and is like, who Kid, you? you know, that is Commodus, yeah. and all of a sudden his face just turns, right? Yeah, it's like, ooh. Yeah, you're supposed to be dead. Uh. Well, and he's caught in a predicament, too, because the crowd is now on Maximus' side. He had won right. the crowd, And yeah. here he is worried about... And what's great about Joachim Phoenix is that uh, he obviously plays it really well, but he we've seen a villain like this before in other films, but he makes it his own. You know, the villain that's not accepted, especially if you're going to go back to these kind of films that are take, you know, take place like a Robin Hood or even like, you know, the gladiator where the villain's not accepted by the people. But the idea is, you know, he's got to do what he can 
in order to keep peace or to you know be liked yeah and there's nothing that he can do in this situation other than just play along and hopefully get maximus some other time yeah but you kind of like go back to um, nick madeline mentioned it in our star wars one right like um hayden christensen when he plays the anakin oh he's kind of that little whiny boy he just wants approval that's confidence Mm -hmm. in this Mm -hmm. so he knows i want the crowd to love me but he knows he's never going to get love he's not that kind of person and when he sees maximus get that love he can't handle it. So it is that where then he would come in with the thumb? Yep. And the thumbs, thumb up, thumbs up, thumb down. down. Yep. And when I was over in Rome, I actually asked one of our guys, I said, okay, is the thumb up mean kill him? Or is the thumb up mean, you know, kill him? Thumb mm-hmm. down, kill him, or thumb up, kill him? And he said, actually, the movie was backwards. He said that the thumb down was, you know, let him live. Oh, where, okay, so the movie did it reverse. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's something that is talked about in one of these articles, too. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that, because I was doing a little bit of this research, and it said the same thing, that they weren't sure if the thumb down yeah. meant that or the thumb... I thought that was interesting. I, I never thought of that. But everybody, of course, is doing the thumbs up, thumbs yeah. up, you know, or they're not saying that, but they're saying Maximus, Maximus. Yeah. Um, so the games can... So they want him to live. live. Yeah, the, the crowd definitely loves him, you know, wants him to live. Um, and then we were kind of talking about... Um, off uh, camera, off air, I guess, uh, about how, you know, the games, it goes back to the Olympics, you know, and how Greece created the Olympics, you know, Rome has their games, and now we're in the, the games to creating the, recreating the battles, and that's the next kind of plot scenes in the movie, right? How yeah. Commodus wants 150 uh, days of games in oh, a yeah. row, and the big scene is they pit them against... Um, uh, this like ultimate warrior he's undefeated yes. I guess the ultimate warrior his name is Tigress of Gaul or something that was a fantastic name right they should have cast Hulk Hogan in that you know? <laughs> the ultimate mill versus the ultimate meatball <laughs> alright but uh, no you're right and that's um, this is where we get the um, the tigers jumping yeah, the out tigers. of the doors right? absolutely yeah. and that was something and, and going back to what you were talking about Brad is I remember seeing this movie and a lot of people really question the authenticity of, you know, the tigers coming out of the traps. But again, most people may have known this, but like I like I mentioned, I didn't even know about the trap doors. I didn't know that they had all those contraptions, and th- that was just that had to be terrifying. I mean, oh my god! You know, that place was really state of the art. I mean, we're talking so far back that yeah, and, <laughs> and to think about all of that underneath all of those. You know, separate bins or whatever they kept all those different animals. It's a maze. If you've ever looked at the picture of it yeah. now, it's a huge maze. Huh? And even to walk around, our stadiums today are built so much like the Coliseum to watch the steps, how they go up and into, you know, where everybody's viewing. And I don't know if you guys knew it, but the top of that, when they do that little drone shot flyover thing, yep. the tops of those were actually would go up and down. Yeah. The, the cloth part on the top that was to be shade. Would go up and down, kind of like a fan. They could have people back there pulling oh, wow. them up and down to create modern day air conditioning. Yeah, modern day air conditioning. <laughs> right. Well, for them, that yeah, was modern absolutely. day air conditioning. <laughs> but I mean, just all that kind of stuff in there just is unbelievable at that day and age. What they could do and come and, up with. Yeah, and and we kind of you kind of know this just not only from history but just people talking about. But the gladiators were rock stars. I mean, they were treated like our like we kind of yeah, treat our athletes today. 
Um, I've even read stories where they actually did sell little dolls or they mm-hmm. would, you know, somebody would be making some souvenirs and of, hmm. of famous little, you know, gladiators or and something. Pictures they would, of them. They would sell almost like action figures and things like that. And they yeah. didn't want to put that in a movie because they thought that would kind of over the top and people wouldn't believe that. Yeah. But actually around the, the Coliseum, they would put up pictures of the different gladiators. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It is. It's, it's really cool because it, you know, we're just and not that far, that. just not far that. removed. <laughs> No, we're still as a society. (laughs) You know, it's like going to NASCAR. Why are you going? Because you want to see the wreck. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. It's sad to say, but it's you know you don't want to go to a football game to get to see somebody injured, but you are going to a football game to see those big hits, which I know they're trying to kind of rein back on those now for safety reasons, but. It's kind of, it, I guess it says and some something. of the death scenes in this movie are just phenomenal. Like the one where he gets the chariot, like cuts him in half. The chariot with the uh, with the sword, the sword the on sword. the side of the wheel, and the yeah. lady. It's the lady. Who, yeah, yeah. You know, it's actually lady gladiators. That's what. Yeah, there there actually were lady gladiators. Yeah. So um, no, it's brutal. It's uh, um, that's really what made this rated R was the violence and the gore. But now it seems a little tame. Eighteen years later, but it's yeah. still. You know, I get into being a videography teacher a lot of times into that kind of stuff when I'm watching the movie. And those that tiger coming out of that trap door, he actually had to roll around in front of that. I mean, they didn't just green screen all that together. He, oh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I watched part of the extras on the DVD, uh-huh. and that was one of the things he talked about is having to roll around in front of that tiger. That and then they were, the trainers were talking about how they had to make sure that Russell didn't get hurt by this tiger. Oh, gosh, yeah. But they also had to get the tiger to where he was going to look like he was going to attack, too. And not just play around. Yeah, like yeah. roll over my something. belly and scratch me. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Pull the Siegfried and Roy on him. <laughs> Grab him by the... Hey, too all soon? All right, all right. Hey, okay. Uh, oh, speaking of which, one thing I did want to bring up is uh, I always like... And again, sorry, audience, we are jumping around. But uh, it is interesting to note that uh, Mel Gibson... Was first offered the role. Did you oh, know that? I did not. Yeah, I don't like. I wouldn't have liked it. Well, and a couple of things I think may have Braveheart. been. You know, it wasn't that far away from Braveheart, uh-huh. and uh, but but Mel Gibson, I think, believed he just was too old for the role. Um, he Mel was, Gibson turned it down. Mel Gibson turned it down, um, and they also tried out Antonio Banderas. Little, and, the Latin um, flair and Hugh in, Jackman uh, too. Rome, huh? Yeah, Hugh Jackman was pretty much an unknown back yeah, then. Yeah, he would not been. so much an unknown because he wasn't. I think the X Men film, the first one out. did, but you know, I, he would have been good. But I so. Russell Crowe is yeah. just yeah, he's he nails perfect. It. He's he not too know. big, not too no, small. He's not. And it's not like Schwarzenegger or anything like that. He's got I mean, the stoic, which I think, reading off the history, it seemed to be like, although Maximus, we didn't cover it, it was a fictitious character. Yes, It seemed of like course. he was a blend of a couple characters. Yeah, yes. But the stoicness, they said, was absolutely true of the general that was um, the emperor's main general, you know, and just, hey, I'm here for you. I'm here for the country, uh, for the Republic of Rome. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those, the, yeah, it's almost like he has no emotion, but we know he does. Yeah. Um, in fact, that one, you know, one, one, one of the motifs, I always talk about motifs in my class, like the reoccurring uh, images or sounds or music pieces. But uh, you'll notice that Maximus, when he, uh, uh, before he goes into battle or where he go, goes to somewhere new, kneels down, grabs the soil. Drank the nana. And he, he rubs the soil in his hand. But that's actually a throwback to him being a farmer. And, oh, yeah. you know, that's that's what I had read about nice. is he raises his crops. The idea that, you know, at heart, he really is a farmer, even though he's this great general of the Roman, you know, army. 
that's why they kind of threw that little thing in at certain times in the film where he, you know, that's his moment to like, he's on his knees grabbing the dirt and, you know, kind of smelling it as if that's where he really wants to be, but that's all been taken away from him. Mm -hmm. So now he's going to... That's cool. That's a cool feature to... Stick a neck in... Commodus, <laughs> or stick, stick a, a knife in his, stick a dagger right in there. Um, but as far as the story goes, again, you know, you you've got Commodus finding out that Maximus who he is, and what you were talking about that awesome scene where he finally makes him take his helmet off. He realizes he's in trouble, and uh, now the crowd loves him so much because he beats that famous gladiator yeah. who was their favorite. Yes, and then again, it goes up to hey. He's still alive. The gladiator is. So um, Commodus has to say thumbs up, thumbs down. And he actually tells Commodus, uh, Maximus to kill him. Yeah. But Maximus says, no, I'm not killing him. Yeah. He throws his sword yeah. down and the crowd mm-hmm. loves him for defies it. Defies him. They yeah. defies him even more. So now, and that's what Commodus talks about. He goes, he defies an emperor in front of everybody. He just can't win. So it sets up that. And he becomes Maximus the merc- merciful. Merciful, yeah. And this is where we meet Cicero, his old kind of uh, uh, his former ser- servant. servant. Yeah. And we find out that there are troops that are waiting for him. The, his army's waiting for him. They're in hiding, kind of outside the walls, outside in the forest. And uh, that's where Maximus gets the idea that perhaps he can join them, come back. Uh, and along of course, with Commodus's sister and the yes, senator. Yes, uh, and the senator. The name, uh, Gracchus. Yes, Gracchus, and there's right? that exchange where, you know, why should I trust you? You're just, wait, I'm, we're going to give you this power and you're just going to hand it right back over? Yeah. And he's like, you know, my father trusted him is what she says. And, of course, they say, well, I'm going to trust you too. But things go south from there. Yes. Um, Commodus basically has a really, really creepy, oh. like, demoralized scene, you know, where he tells that story about the bird. Oh, man. And he, and uh, it's so, about the bee. About the bee. And and he's got his son. Yeah, subliminally talking about her son. And how they don't want to hurt the bee, and he yes. like tense. Yeah. Oh, the poor kid accidentally confides in Commodus that he overheard that they're going to plot to that, that, that there's a plot, and 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 of course the kid's not at fault. He was just kind of repeating something that he heard. Uh, but that that's an intense Sister, scene. Join us. I've been reading today, Lucius. I've been reading too. Yes, he's a very clever little boy. He'll make a grand emperor one day. You've been reading about the great Mark Antony and his adventures in Egypt. And the queen killed herself with a snake. And just wait until you hear what happened to our ancestors. If you're very good, tomorrow night I'll tell you the story of Emperor Claudius. He was betrayed by those closest to him. By his own blood. They whispered in dark corners and went out late at night. And conspired. And conspired. But the Emperor Claudius knew that they were up to something. He knew they were busy little bees. And one night he sat down with one of them. And he looked at her. And he said, Tell me what you've been doing, busy little bees. Or I shall strike down those dearest to you. You shall watch as I bathe in their blood. And the Emperor was heartbroken. 
Little B had wounded him more deeply than anyone else could ever have done. What do you think happened then, Lucius? Where he's talking about, uh, you know, I don't make me, essentially he's saying, don't make me harm the people that you love the most. And yeah. so that's, uh, so what happens then is um, we have the guards that are basically sent to uh, kill Proximo's, Proximo Proximo's men. And that's when, that's the scene where Proximo walks up and hands him the keys and basically says, you know, and uh, I think Maximus says something like, hey, watch out, you're going to turn into a nice guy or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's some levity there. Yeah. So that's, that brings us to one of the most interesting behind-the-scenes tidbits about this film because Oliver Reed died of a heart attack um, days before oh he gosh. had finished his uh, scenes. I did not know that. So this was one of the first instances where they spent almost $3 million Jeez. to have a digitally... Uh, placed enhanced face put on a body double of Oliver Reed. Um, here's what you need to do. You'd never know it. It's, no way. it's the I didn't scene. Know it. I didn't either. <laughs> it's the uh, so it's two scenes. It's the scene where he walks up to the cell with the keys, and basically he looks at him and he says, you know, you you've, know earned, your you've earned your freedom. And then he, like I said, he jokes like, you know, watch out, you're going to turn into a nice guy. And then he leaves. And then the second scene is where they sneak up behind him, or not really sneak up. They know that you know, He's and they there. stab him. Yeah. And he mm -hmm. says, "Dust, dust." To he says something like, "Uh." Yeah. I know those of you listening are probably yelling at me right now. <laughs> what he's saying, like dust we'll uh, it. to uh, to uh, so whatever. Lost. And they right. they stab him. So the two scenes, his face has been superimposed over a body double and. Uh, so there's an interesting video on YouTube. If you're really interested in looking at this, you can just you can just YouTube Oliver Reed in Gladiator body double or something like that. And what they did is that they took shots of his face from different scenes, particularly when he's talking to Maximus, you know, and he's telling him, oh, yeah, you, you knew I was Marcus? Freed, yeah. Yes, I knew Marcus. You were a Gladiator. It's that scene. Because what the person does that created the YouTube videos, he kind of takes that scene. And you could tell that side his face is exactly the same, but they were able mm. to take that and kind of superimpose it. And you're right. You can't really tell. Mm. The only way you can tell is that you might think, oh, that facial feature looks kind of the same from earlier in the film. But, you know. Um, and that's gone on to me in so many films without spoiling it for so many people. But I know when we watched Rogue One, yeah, that was like, oh my gosh, like that's well, the you know, Grand Moff Tarkin. If we can say it now, spoiler alert, you know, Grand Moff <laughs> Tarkin, Peter Cushing was brought back to life. Carrie Fisher, of course. Yeah, and you know, Cushing the truth of it is, guys, uh, not to get off topic, but how far is this going to go? That conversation has happened yeah. a lot. No, you know, yeah. when when are we going to start seeing like Humphrey Bogart back in Jeez. a movie, maybe starring alongside somebody? Yeah. I mean, they do that a lot with commercials anymore. They, they do, and and the fact that Incredible we're technology. you know with the yeah. capture motion capture that we're seeing like in Planet of the Apes and things like that, uh, it's nice to see that this film, deservedly so, was one of the first to use it. Yeah, uh, and it actually works still, like seventeen years later. So, so yeah, how many years do actors have? Job security. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Get animation there. there. Yeah. yeah. Stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, what they call you know the one thing about like uh, the Rogue One and and Grand Moff Tarkin and uh, Peter Cushing is that I thought it looked really well. There are others that don't think it looked really well, but I I 
I can't agree that there's something a little uncanny yeah. about it. And it's, they always talk about the eyes. The eyes. the eyes don't ever seem real. And in fact, if you talk about artificial intelligence, robots, things like that, people always say, look at the eyes. They never look, you know. That's they, probably maybe that's the human well, thing that's about us. That's the mesmerizing us. feature yes, of humans mostly. That you know, that's what we eyes. key in on. Mm-hmm. That's what we're supposed to do. Well, we've gone from science now to <laughs> psychology to... Where are we even at in this movie um, right now? Well, the best part is the is the ending, and we talked about how you may oh, not, yeah. as an audience member, want him to die. Spoiler alert! But the fact of it is, is I think it's an appropriate ending. Yeah. Obviously, Maximus is captured, and of course, Commodus is going to get him into the theater or the you know Coliseum. The, the, the Coliseum. And he's going to fight him to show everybody, I guess, that he's, he's the better, better gladiator. Than trying to win over the crowd. They call for you. The general who became a slave. The slave who became a gladiator. The gladiator who defied an emperor. Striking story. Now that people want to know how the story ends, only a famous death will do. And what could be more glorious than to challenge the Emperor himself in the great arena? You would fight me. Why not? Do you think I'm afraid? I think you've been afraid all your life. Unlike Maximus the Invincible, who knows no fear. (laughs) Are you a man who once said death smiles at us all? All a man can do is smile back. I wonder, did your friend smile at his own death? You must know. He was your father. You loved my father, I know. But so did I. That makes us brothers, doesn't it? Smile for me now, brother. (coughs) Strap on his armor. Conceal the wound. But of course, before he does that, uh, that's what made me so mad. He sticks him. Stabbing. He just shanks him, yeah. prison style. Fucking like cheater! <laughs> and All the way down the Well, I was going to bring this up to you because I think what he does is he actually dips that dagger in poison. Don't you do this! <laughs> Don't you do this! Some friends okay. back in college, since we watched it together back in college, one still argues that he poisoned him, and we're like, no, you're wrong. He just stabs him. In like the lung or visceral organ, you know, yeah. mortally wounds him basically. Will and I were having this conversation before we went uh, on on live on the air recording, but uh, yeah, you brought that up, and uh, I don't see that. I don't see I don't, it either. Well, just, where's so like I said, like I said to you when you brought up that story, I said just just ask your friend, you know, where's the proof? We all know that he stabbed him. But we don't know that he dipped it in poison, nor is that ever said. No, so no, it's never in your shown. friend's he's mind, that's, he's wrong. He's that's wrong. fine if he wants to think that, but there's just no proof. Yeah. But he does we can say, all agree that he stabs him. Yeah, and he does say conceal the wound. You know, when they put yeah, his arm right. out, he wants to yeah. make sure that yeah. nobody yeah. knows he yeah. cheated. He yeah. knows he's doing it wrong, but he doesn't yeah. care. It just shows 
what Commodus is. Yeah, yes. exactly. I mean, I'm, I don't care who you are. You get stabbed in the side of the body, then you go out and you fight. You're going to be groggy and weak, and mm-hmm. eventually it's going to... When gonna... he was probably already you know, malnutrition, dehydrated after being in jail, beat yes. up, God knows what, you know. So they have this this big elaborate battle, you know, where they're going back and forth, right? Crowds cheering. And then Commodus gets his sword knocked away mm-hmm. by Maximus, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's that scene where he goes, Maximus like throws his sword down too. And then he's Commodus is yelling at his uh what is supposed to be his general and his army, throw me a sword. They and don't. they don't, do they? And it shows. I mean, that's kind of a cool, like, dude, we don't like you. We yeah. had to like you because you would have yeah. killed us, you know, but now that we don't have to, we don't like you. Yeah. Well, and that's now that they know where they have him, mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. he's in the middle of the Colosseum and uh, he may kill Maximus. I don't think Commodus is getting out of there alive. I could be wrong, but probably not. You know, yeah. if this the movie would have ended a little differently. I'm thinking the crowd would have turned on him. Riot, yeah. And <laughs> the guards would have eventually said, okay, forget this guy. Yeah. You know? yeah. And that eventually is what happened to that, him. Right? That eventually I mean, is. Like, yeah. True, true comedist form is when Maximus yeah. throws his sword down and turns around to go walk the other way. Like, this is over. You're done, yeah. dude. Like, we know you're going to be dethroned. You're, somebody's going to prison you. Commodus whips out a little mini little dagger out of his uh, whatever yeah. arm or yeah. armor and tries to go and stab him in the back. And of course, Maximus sniffs it out yep. and turns it on him, right? And then mm-hmm. that slow descent. Slow yeah, descent of that dagger, right? What makes the... it sweeter is he stabs him with his own dagger, right? Right into the neck. You almost hear him mm-hmm. gurgling on yeah, him. Yeah, a little bit of blood splattering. <laughs> you hear it entering in and making all kinds of. Exactly. Noises that's or... that's even more graphic than like if blood was like splattering everywhere. Yeah. It's just the Hit gurgling. The aorta, the jugular, the. Uh, Jeez, that's got to be brutal. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the end of the film, you know, where it's almost as if everyone gets to say their piece and somewhat. But I think it's fitting. I love the scene where he's kind of walking through the field again. Like yeah. a wheat field? Yeah, like Looking the wheat field. Yeah. You kind of, you got the filters on the, on you know, the camera that makes mm-hmm. it look different. Kinda you kind of know that this is somewhat of a dream or afterlife kind afterlife of thing. Afterlife concept, mm-hmm. right? And he's happy. Yeah, I think we yeah. Saw, we see him smile. Yeah, and, so as uh, sad as it is that he dies, like Brad, you mentioned, you really you really want him to live because he's such the protagonist, good man, and to bring Rome back. But before he's dying, he's fading out. He gets awoken by um, the general. I can't remember his name, right? Um, and they say, "Hey, Maximus, you know, hey, what what do we do here? You're like, you know, you're our leader. You're right. dying." And he says, "Hey, there was once a dream by Marcus Aurelius, right, that Rome should be returned to the the people." Um, mm-hmm. So that's what you're going to mm-hmm. do. You're going to free the, the gladiators, Proximo's gladiators, and give the Rome back to the people and um, reinstate the senator who was arrested for conspiring. Maximus. Maximus. Quintus. Free my men. Senator Gracchus is to be reinstated. There was a dream that was Rome. It shall be realized. These are the wishes of Marcus Aurelius. Free the prisoners! Go! Yeah. Commit murder on the emperor, right? And that's how we end it. So it is a happy... And Juba, we haven't really talked about Juba, his friend. Yeah, Um, his African. African African friend, hunter, who who got sold into slavery. Ends up, yeah, burying him and... 
you know, and buries the little figures as well. Representing his wife and his son. Yeah. And says that he too will eventually join him, but not, not yet. But not yet. And that's it. Yeah. So the sequel to Gladiator, did you know there was what? a planned one? There actually was, but nothing has ever oh, come out of it. it. They Years ago, they wanted to have a sequel and try to somewhat bring back Russell Crowe if they could. Perhaps it was going to be a prequel, a prequel is, yeah. is what they're going to do. flashbacks. Yeah, like and they've even talked about, uh, even recently they've talked about bringing uh, the Gladiator franchise back. Of course, you know, really Scott's been doing that a lot with Blade Runner and with the aliens. And, yeah. you know, of course, that's kind of the new thing to do is bring back the old. But uh, I don't know if anything will come of it other than, you know, I think it's already been done. And what I mean by that is that you've got Game of Thrones. You have... Uh, wasn't there a Spartacus series well, that was a on? Rome series yeah. on HBO, Rome, which I thought was pretty yeah, good. Three hundred, yeah, yep. and those were all inspired by, of course, Gladiator. Not only being successful, but winning Best Picture. So, yeah, I think that ship has kind of sailed. But um, I mean, I'm ready as an audience member. I'm ready for more of these kind of films. Uh, they either hit and they miss. I mean, yeah. you've got like uh, the Clash of the Titans that were remade. Yeah, that would, yeah. definitely Bombed. not up to this quality, yeah. of yeah. course, but. Yeah. It would just be nice to see more of the, you know, Ben Hur, they brought that back with a mm-hmm. remake, but that did not do well. Mm-hmm. It just it yeah. probably wasn't that great of a movie. So it'd be nice to to see more of these kind of stories. But um, any final thoughts? On- you know, just the thought of how I, you and I talked about this before of, you know, what's their job as far as presenting history correctly? Yeah. Or, I mean, this. You think about what actually happened wouldn't have been a very good story. No. I mean, it would not be anything like the actual movie is. So Ridley had to, you know, put all these twists in it to make it what it is. Entertaining as it was. Well, and I even read where even uh, Russell Crowe looked at the script and they they toned his character down a little bit because I believe in an early draft, he was just not that likable of a guy. (laughs) I mean, they probably made him true to life because you imagine like, is a general of a Roman army going to be a nice guy, a yeah. likable guy? Probably yeah. not. So they had to, but you're right about that, Brad, because obviously like in this class, history through film two and one and whatever, I always talk about, you know, what's real and what's real, real being like a film real or real, like what's true. I see what you did. I mean, it's and not a documentary. See what you did there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not, not a, a documentary. documentary. Yeah. So we always talk about how films are Hollywoodized, dramatized. And yeah, you've, you know, Hollywood's responsibility is not to lay out movies that are 100% accurate. Their first foremost is to entertain audiences. And um, I think that, you know, people sometimes want to criticize films like this, like, that's not accurate. Well, who cares? Yeah. It's a great movie. Yeah. It's loosely based. That's if good you, enough for me. You know, part of the it. fun is looking at what's not accurate about it yeah. and then teaching about it or just reading about it and, and finding out for yourself what's accurate, what's not, and maybe why they made these decisions to film it this way and not that way. Because like you said, it probably wouldn't be that interesting of a movie. No, no. Uh, so particularly the that. fact that they created the Maximus character. So they I think that's one thing about the movie is that you get so attached to Maximus and you get so disengaged with Commodus that you yes. want Commodus dead. Oh, I mean, yeah. You're just cheering against him. And that's a lot of it is... The protagonist, antagonist, for sure. fighting with, with uh, Maximus against Commodus, and yeah, yeah. that wouldn't have happened. You see Brad in his living room, yeah. smosh buckling, and wife walks in. This chief's helmet on. Fighting his bobbleheads. I think the movie does do a great job of letting us feel like we're back in that time. 
Yeah. yeah absolutely. Oh, yeah. It absolutely. Really and like I said, I can't say this enough, but man, it holds up. You know, sometimes you'll yeah. watch movies that came out like 20, 25 years ago and you're like, ah, it just kind of looks cheesy. No, this movie looks like it was made last yeah. year. It's still, um, it's on it my DVR. I mean, it's a list yeah. of like 10 movies who, if, I don't ever delete it. You know? I need to watch it more often because I'll say it again. I watched, rewatched it for this, and I was just impressed of how great of a movie it is. And it's yeah. one of those that I'm always like, "Yeah, Gladiator's a good movie." I forgot how good it is. Yeah, so. and it's other than like you said, the R was for blood and gore. I mean, it's nothing. You know, not gratuitous sex. No, not, not at all. There's not mm. language. I would show you know. it in here. I'd show it in my history through yeah. film class in a heartbeat. Um, we just, you know, in, in our high school setting, we don't go back to Roman times other than like world history, which I don't teach. But that doesn't mean that I can't do that in here. Sure. So mm. I would love to put this on the list of films that we watch. We didn't class, talk much so. about the battles. And there was that one scene, but they're talking about the actual how they fall battles. Yeah. You know, and he says, no, they, uh, the one guy says, hey, we need to, those aren't in range. And instantly Maximus goes no those are in range yeah and like they diagram that on the on the internet people say yeah that was actually pretty true like yeah spot on talks about the trebuchets they use yep. and then the the flanking you know they they bring in the archers back here then they bring in the infantry and then the horses come around and flank kind of like they do in braveheart yes i mean it's just that mod, you know, that that warfare tactics that you and a lot of that crazy. i thought was probably cgi Mm-hmm. But in looking and reading, it's not. Yeah. They actually had so many, yeah. I can't remember how many thousands of arrows that they actually did Jeez. shoot. Oh, my gosh. And I, I figured that was all CGI. Sky. Even yeah. those balls that go flying in the air of fire yeah. and hitting, I thought were probably all CGI. And, you know, that was shot in England. They had, I don't know how many, 170 acres to Jeez. tear down in there yeah. of trees and stuff. To, <laughs> to when you watch thing. a movie like that, it'll put you in the place of one of those soldiers, like with those arrows raining down oh, on you. Geez. You're like, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, my God. Is, like, is this what I, this is what my life came to? Uh-huh. I know I'm a soldier in an army, but my God. They don't make them like they used no, to, No, they guess. don't. Uh, they no. don't. Not at all. Yeah. All right, guys. Any last-minute thoughts? We'll wrap this up. and uh, Yeah, I, I, I just the nostalgia too, like I said, just to to know you know what it was like when I first watched it, you know, and the emotions, you know, and just goes through that. You relive that. It definitely stands the test. Absolutely. Of time. So yeah. Well, has, has been one of my favorites. Probably always will be. I yeah. Mean, can't wait for the next one to to top it. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you guys for joining us today. Thank you for listening. Thank my guests Brad and Will for coming in here and. Uh, Talking about one of our one of their favorite films, um, I'm I'm glad that I could get a more modern film back up in in the podcast. Uh, if you know if you like what you're hearing, please reach out. You can find me on uh, History Through Film on Twitter. That's History T H R U Film History Through Film. Uh, we're on iTunes. We're on Podomatic. I'm even on Instagram now with History Through Film. Uh, I do have a Patreon page if you want to visit that. That's something that if you feel like you want to maybe sponsor some of these podcasts, that would be great. More information is on Patreon. You can just search History Through Film. Until next time, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you later. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here?